Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. So here we are, the third month in of 2021, and we're riffing on the word light leader, the idea of being that light and love and inspiring yourself and others to be that. And this month, the theme, because it's G, is guide, guide. And what I mean by that is to uh, guide yourself into accessing the divine wisdom within you, that guidance that's within you, and not listening to all the different blah, blah, blahs out there, but listen to within. Listen and access that divine guidance within you. And then as a light leader, you can begin to guide people around you into being more kind, more loving, more light. And that's part of the inspiration from last month. So guide, are you a guide? I would say, yeah. And are you a light leader? I would say, "Uh uh-huh. So that's our theme for this month, guide. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter so you can be in the know about how to live an empowered life. Enjoy the show. So before we uh, dive into an empowering conversation with my guest today, I just wanted to remind everybody, I've got my Facebook group, Live Your Empowered Life. We're doing a lot of workshops there. There's going to be a couple of um, really good healing workshops in there. Um, But also uh, get my book, Live Your Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey, and my uh, inspirational cards or little grab-and-go things that you can... uh, Just grab something and stick it in your pocket and look at it throughout the day to remind you to stay focused on the truth of who you are, that you are um, an amazing light in the world. And we're going to be doing ongoing book studies throughout the rest of this year and next year. So uh, if you dive into the Facebook group, you'll know all about that too. So with that said, I have a woman. The title of her company is is called Woman on Top Biz. She is financially empowering, which I love uh, (laughs) because, of course, I'm all about empowerment. So I just am so curious to find out more about her. So I want to welcome Karen Keurig. Thank you. Hi. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. So now you've got a book. Okay, I just want to I just want to talk about this book because I got chills when you told me the title. It's called Woman on Top: How to Win in a Women a Woman's Way. Correct. Okay, so what? Give us the backstory of this book. What led you to write this kind of a book? Because I think that we are now in a place where women are really defining and refining how to do business, how to be in the world, but from what I call the divine feminine aspect, not the masculine way it's always been done aspect. So right. what caused you to write this book? 
Well, so I'll give you a little background. I was 26 years in the military, joined in, the, joined in the late 80s. So you okay. can imagine that was when men didn't very care very much for women to be in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, then after and during that time, I started working for an aerospace company and I was a project manager in a pretty much all male dominated field. So again, you would think that the big company that I worked for, you wouldn't have a lot of chauvinism going on in this day and age, but there still is. And then now I'm in financial services and uh, oddly enough, financial services, they've only gone from 19% women 20 years ago to about 23% women. So we really haven't come that far. So what caused me to write the book is I actually, it's not a male bashing book. I actually learned lots of lessons from male mentors along my way in the military, because obviously there was a lot of men in, uh, because I was an electronic mechanic. So I wasn't in the traditional area of of the military that most women go into. So, um, So I decided that I had a story to tell that, you know, basically that, I was, I came from three male dominated fields and I wanted to be able to show that you can embrace all the ideas and all the things that men tell you. And there's lessons within everything and uh, use that. And there's a chapter in the book that talks about, uh, you know, your feminism, you can still dress like a woman and wear makeup and have your hair done. And, uh, you don't have to have that male persona, like you said, to be successful. Mm-hmm. I think there was a time where women tried to emulate men and, and they still try to do that in the military today. Um, but I always did my hair, always had makeup on, earrings, had my nails done, worked out on the flight line. So um, I, later on, uh, after about 15 years into the military, uh, some people told me that they used to watch me out on the flight line with my long nails because they wanted to see if I'd break a nail while I was <laughs> working. And I'm like, okay. So, so you were in the Air Force. I was in the Air Force for 26 years. Okay. Yeah. So um, I actually, a couple years ago, got to interview a woman who was one of the first female uh, fighter jet pilots um, and a similar story to what you're, you're talking about. So there's, there was, it sounds like, um, Karen, there was a lot of, uh, most likely hoops you had to jump through that weren't not, uh, in place that men had to jump through. Right. Right. So like, for example, uh, out on the flight line one day, they, I used to work on the cameras that sat in the nose of the F4 aircraft. Mm -hmm. And there's a big door that opens to get inside the aircraft to get to these cameras. And the door's on a cable, but it's still 150 pounds. And it's a two-person job. And what they would do to me is they would make me shut that door by myself. They would stand there with their arms crossed and wait for me to do it by myself. And I did it just to prove that I could do it, even though I could have probably turned them in because it was really a violation of the regulation to do. It's a two-person job. But I didn't want to create waves. So mm-hmm. I just went ahead and did it, did it myself. And, and I, ha- I felt like the first probably five years I was in that shop, I had to prove myself because I was the only woman that was in an all-male shop. And I was the only second woman that had ever been in that shop. So 
And there was no other women after me that was in that shop because uh, we went to a different aircraft after uh-huh. that. So okay, I just got to ask you, Karen. Yeah. Uh, a, why did you stay twenty six years? And B, uh, how did you manage to? Did you ever lose your sense of self or your self-esteem because of that kind of treatment? Because I'm sure that's just a small little story. Yeah, it's just one little story. I really didn't because I really tried to fight. Uh, When I was mistreated, I made sure that my senior uh, officers or NCICs knew about it and Mm -hmm. I made them correct what was going on. Um, So I think I was a little bit... uh, more aggressive about that some of the women you know would take the sexual advances and those kind of things and I would just tell the men that I never actually got that happened to me or had that happen to me and I think it's just because I set the tone right you just need I'm a woman you can treat me just like everyone else and if you're overstepping the bounds I'll tell you when you're overstepping the bounds so and I actually said that to a couple of them. It's like, that's fine. You can tell a joke. I don't care. Right. Just, if it offends me, I'll let you know. So right. I told them. So, and the reason why I stayed 26 years is because I got out of that. We switched aircrafts. Then I went into more of an administrative role. I was the NCIC or non-commissioned officer in charge of the orderly room for the maintenance squadron. And then after that, I got commissioned. So I started out as a slick sleeve uh, E1 at the bottom of the barrel, making terrible money. And then when I got my degree, um, I actually got my degree when I was, my son was two and a half and he was in my graduation pictures. Oh my goodness. Um, He was born in 95. So that would have been 98 when I got Uh my degree. So. Then I got commissioned and then I really, some doors were opened up for me because the commission side of the house in any of the forces is completely different than being enlisted. So Uh um, that's kind of why I stayed because then it kind of drifted more towards the things that I was interested in. And I ended up, uh, I retired in 2013 and I was the director of personnel for the base. So I kind of morphed more into working with people, which is what I really enjoy. Uh-huh. Isn't that, that's an, uh, that's a phenomenal journey that you've been on so far. Yeah. And that's just a snippet, you know, I, right. I mean, that's like... <laughs> right, right, right. So in your, in this uh, journey to, uh, it, it sounds like empowerment, I just got to say, Karen. So w- can you give us a couple of things that, um, you feel were your lessons that you really, uh, in a positive, you know, that, that moved you forward in a very positive way. It sounds like one is you set, you set your own boundaries, which is very self-responsible. You know, that's part of what I teach my clients is you have, you have got to have strong boundaries and that is you taking care of you. Mm -hmm. But what else? So the other thing was, uh, one of the mentors was a chief master sergeant, and he pulled me aside when he is he he had known me as an enlisted person, and he pulled me aside when I was a young lieutenant, and he told me, and and this has always stuck with me, and I wrote about it in the book, is he said you need to stop and look and listen instead of jumping into things. He said you tend to jump into things without thinking. 
And he said, sometimes that works out for you and sometimes it hasn't. He said, so I just caution that you really think about things before you take the leap. And I mean, that was probably the best advice that I'd ever gotten because I knew that I was like that, but until somebody dimed me out on it, it was like, uh, it's like, okay, he's right. I need to, you know, stop and think about things before um, I get into things. Cause sometimes I would, you know, really get into verbal altercations with people just because, you know, they pushed me the wrong way. And sometimes I, you know, I've decided now, is it worth to get into a fight with that person or do I just need to stop and think about the situation and maybe walk away? So it's, it's helped me in my personal relationships too. Wow. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. And so then, so then I, I have a question about, um, The, the, the title of your book, Woman on Top. Now, what caused you to title it that? Well, yeah, it implies a double entendre, but yeah. I really chose that because I wanted people to understand that uh, you can be on top of everything that you do. Mm-hmm. And you can be in charge of your business or your life or your finances. Mm-hmm. And at first when I was doing the title, I was going to, I, instead of it being woman on top, how to win in a woman's way, I had had a man, how to win, how to, I can't even remember, but I did a Facebook post and said, well, how should I title this? And they said, it should be about women impairment. So you should be saying how to do it in a woman's way, not how to do it in a man's way and turn it into a woman's way. And I said, you're right. Yeah. So um, that's well, kind of how I titled it because it's like, you can be everything that you want to be and don't listen. Cause there's a lot of men during that time that I was in the military that told me that I wasn't going to make it. Right. Even on the day that I went to out process to go to basic training, the chief master sergeant in charge of the orderly room tried to get me to switch AFSCs from electronic mechanic to admin because he said, you've got a pretty face. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh boy. Yep. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) At least he mentioned your face and not other parts of your face. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, okay, no, gonna stay in Uh electronic mechanic. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's interesting because uh, I really believe and I'm and and it's how I lead my team in uh, in my business is that women lead differently than men we just do it's it's more like an intuitive thing when we're allowed to lead the way we truly lead right and I I think you said it earlier where um, women do things differently I think if we're allowed to do the things that we know that we're good at and, you know, even in the military, when there, I was with women commanders and that kind of stuff, a lot of the, the men would snicker at the fact if a woman showed a little bit of emotion, why they were giving a, a, a speech or, you know, some type of recognition to someone. And I'm like, you know, you men need to learn a few things from us women. <laughs> true. It's true. Right. And, and we're hopefully watching that unfold in the country right now, this very second, right? This very 
<laughs> well, and the, and the fact that they make such a big deal about the fact that Biden chose a woman, mm-hmm. and then they're making a big deal about the fact that she was the first Black woman, and now, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of picking her apart because they're saying she's not really Black, and it's like, well, Jamaican is Black, so I don't know where they're coming from. But. Well, yeah, but yeah, that, so, and we're just going to bless her because she said yes Right. And she said yes to a very big thing. And I just really hope that any of the women that are stepping forward in any area of empowerment, of power, of standing up for themselves, whether it's in their uh, family of origin or their relationship or their business, I really hope that they, we all collectively get through this because there is uh oh that's interesting i just heard something karen so so i talk often on my show about how the um masculine way of doing life is completely done you know and that's what we're watching and in the world of finances in the world of politics in the world of this pandemic we're watching the masculine paradigm being dissolved. And Mm -hmm. what I just heard is that the picking apart of the women that are stepping forward are those, those uh, ravens, right? Those carrion things that they, they, they've been eating, you know, they're picking apart the the masculine now. And so then they're just going to kind of move over to the next, whatever, except that this wave of, um, leading from a place of divine authority of divine feminine authority and again it's not it's not dissing men it's learning how to collaborate right co-create work in connection right connection and a lot of the way of the world for the last several centuries it hasn't been that way. It's been, there's a hierarchy and it's a top down and only a couple people get to be at the top of that ladder. I'm thinking of the Dr. Seuss story, Yertle the Turtle. <laughs> so anyway. Well, and I guess what I'm, why I brought that up is because so in 30 years, we really haven't changed the way that we perceive women and it's terrible. I mean, it's like, in in my book, I talk about if we would just, all us women would just up, uplift each other instead of picking each other apart, we'd get so much further. But it's not so much the women nowadays that are picking the women apart, it's the men. Yeah. So that's continuing to happen. And that's, a, it's kind of like what uh, Sandra, I always forget her last name, that wrote the Lean In book, uh-huh. where she talks about the fact that we really haven't come that far. And we haven't. And it seems like we still haven't come that far. And I think there is a shift. And I see a shift happening because there's so many women that now have their own businesses. And there's so, uh, I read an article that women uh, control $10.6 billion of net worth. So wow. If best financial advisors would just tap into the women, which I do, by the way, my niche is women business owners. Uh-huh. That, you know, we, we can start empowering women to feel great about money. Even. Yes, because we were 
I know I wasn't. Money was hidden from me, you mm-hmm. know, in, in, in my family of origin because my mom couldn't handle it, the bills. So my dad took all that to his office and had his secretary do the bills because mm-hmm. my mom would get overwhelmed. And so all I saw is mom writing a check. Check. So when I went to college, Karen, it's embarrassing. I just wrote checks. And then one day the, the bank calls me and says, you can't, you're bouncing checks. I'm like, okay, so put money in my account. They're like, no. See, that's not how it works. <laughs> there's, you used all that money and now you've got to supplement. I'm like, oh, you know, I was 25 before I learned how to balance a checkbook. Oh my God, that's embarrassing. Well, right? the terrible thing is, is that they don't teach finances in school anymore. So they kids I know. don't know how to do any of that stuff. And so I've been trying to reach into the school system and help with that as well. But now that the schools aren't even meeting anymore, it's like, oh, okay, well, that's going to be a hard avenue to tap. So, but, so you've got a, you've got a, a product of five, it's a, remind me, a five. It's called the five money types. Okay. Ooh. So is this like a five money types, like five personalities in the way you spend and, and save your money? Yes. Oh. So, and, and there, there's five of them. So it's Spendthrift Sally. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Cheap Chip. There's Over Generous Olivia. Oh. Delusional Dan. And Avoider Alice. So your mom sounds like she was an Avoider Alice. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think about it. Right. The bills will go away. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And, and so what I, I do is I talk about the different uh, money personality types and how recognizing your money type can also help you recognize the money type of the people that you're trying to bring on as clients. So if you can understand their objections, mm-hmm. then you have a way to then tap into figuring out how to how to bring them on. And if they really are your right type of client, if they're your ideal client. So Mm -hmm. there's two things. One, you need to understand yourself because, and I'm a professed cheap chip, which means that I hate to spend money, but I have money. It's just, I don't like to spend it. And I will research the death out of something just so I can get a good deal. Wow. (laughs) at the at the detriment of maybe sometimes missing out on something because I take too long to make a decision. So it's interesting because um, my, my current spouse, when we first got together, he would give me coupons. I'm like, what are these for? Why? Why? Well, you know, we can get a deal on the, the, this particular brand. I said, we don't, I don't use that brand. Why am I going to get, why am I going to use the coupon for the brand of the stuff I don't use, eat, like, no, don't give me any more coupons because I've never used them. Right. And so I don't know what, so I must be the generous, what is it? Generous Josie? So it's over, over generous Olivia. So people like that are, you do more for other people than you do for yourself. I'm raising my hand. I'm raising my hand. Oh, it took me. Okay, so the the, the thing I used to do, and you can tell me about myself more, Karen, is um, when when my first spouse and I, when we were really broke, I would go, you know, I'd go shop at Target. 
Mm-hmm. And I'd look at all the sales. And if I, I, I still, to this day, it's probably 30 years ago, I have a, a pleather jacket that I got for 10 bucks. I thought I won. Now, mind you, then, you know, as I did begin to have money, I've, I've spent more, right? But this whole idea of um, bargain shopping, I'm just not that person. But see, that's kind of the, the premise around it. So like for the overgenerous Olivia, as long as you know that you're like that and you have the money to back it, it's okay to be an overgenerous Olivia. Okay. So um, I use an example of, and I use famous people in my examples. Um, an example of an overgenerous Olivia is Oprah because mm-hmm. of all the stuff that she gives away. Uh-huh. She knows that she's that type of person. So she created an empire around her name and around what she's good at. So then she could be generous to people, not at a monetary expense to herself. So there's the positive side of it too. So now that I know that I'm a cheap chip, I catch myself and go, wait a minute, is this a good deal? And am I just being cheap? So, you know, should I make the decision to do this now or should I go back and do some research? So. I don't immediately go into the research mode anymore. I know that I'm like that. Uh-huh. So then it makes it easier to balance your, yeah. uh, the, you, the way you spend and the way you save. Right. But so also part delusional Dan, because delusional Dan is um, basically you got the nerdy side in, of, in you and then you've got the really flashy side of you. So sometimes you'll put on this persona that you have a lot, even if you don't. But the delusional part of it is, is those people that say, well, I'm going to make a million dollars when they start a business. And maybe they end up being a millionaire, but unless you kind of reverse engineer it and go back and figure out how to make that million dollars, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the person that is a huge delusional Dan and great for him because it turned out great is um, Grant Cardone, the 10X guy. Oh, wow. If you know his history, but he used to be homeless and he was addicted to drugs. And he had this delusion that he was going to become this huge millionaire, billionaire type person. And dang, if he didn't turn around and do exactly that. Wow. I did not know that history about him. Yeah, I read a a quick article about him because he has really learned the tenants. 10x principle but really where he's made a lot of his money is in real estate so he's turned around and used his money for you know good and for you know different purposes so Uh uh-huh so then um karen when you begin to work with a client um do you mostly work with business owners or do you work with women that are like like i have i work with women that are um, in between or in the middle of divorce and, yeah. and trying to figure out how to empower themselves. And oftentimes these women have, have let their, allowed their spouse or soon to be ex to manage all the money. And then right. they don't know where all the bodies are hidden. You know, where's all the deeds to all the pieces of assets that we have? They don't know. Yeah. I, I like to work with women, business owners, individual, you know, women, and women that have come from divorce, because I am a divorced woman, and I know what it was like to 
not so much not know where the money was, but to have a huge chunk of money once I walked away from the divorce. And Mm -hmm. had I had a financial advisor at the time, I wouldn't have put all of that money into a down payment on a house. I would have put a portion of it and then I would would have invested the other part of it. Because then what happened is I bought the house during the market downturn in 2008. Ouch. Never really realized the gains from it until I sold my condo in 2018. So 10 years later, did I ever get the equity out of that house because of a market downturn? And had I not dumped all that money into the house, and really the reason why I did it is because I wanted a little bit better house with a pool for my kids at the time so they could have a place to come because they were going back and forth between each house. And I didn't want them to really be living different than the house that they had at their dad's. So, Mm -hmm. so he, he got the house, not me, but he bought out my portion and then I got a huge chunk of money. So it could be both ways. It's like you, you don't know. And I try to empower women from divorce because I recently talked to a lady who's been, she was married for 23 years and has been divorced for quite a few, but she never got any child support and then told me about a pension that her ex has. And I said, you do realize, and maybe you don't, that you're entitled to 23 years of that pension. And if you don't have what's called a QDRO and that's given to that pension plan, then you'll never, ever get that 23 po- 23 years portion of it. I said, so it would behoove you mm-hmm. to hire a lawyer to even get that portion of it written out and mm-hmm. file court because then you can turn around and give that quadro to um, that business that he used to work for and they have to execute it. And she said, well, at this point, I don't think that he'll have an issue with it. I said, well, that's probably good. I said, but you probably should have asked for child support all those years too. And I said, I know that's the past and I'm not trying to make you feel bad for that, but I just feel bad knowing that I could have helped you 10 years ago, you know? Yeah. I've had, I I hear a lot of similar stories of of women that come um, to work with me and they're ticking off all this financial stuff. And I'm like, Oh, you got to talk to this financial advisor. You know, or women that, well, we're just going to go through mediation. I'm like, holy moly. No. I, even if you're going to go through mediation, talk to a lawyer so you know what you're supposed to ask for. And I mean, I have two clients. Both of them were going to ask for nothing They because their esteem was in the crapper. You know, they, they were, had been tormented just like I had been. Mm-hmm. you know, a, until they didn't believe in themselves. And, and then, and then the ex was saying, well, I don't have any money, which is, I'm really trying to watch my language right now. Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, you know, the guy has money because there's right, multiple yeah. assets and I'm like, Oh, and you know, and I, there's a part of me that's glad I know this so I can help my clients and direct them to the appropriate people they mm-hmm. need to d- talk with, you know, and often they're like, well, I don't have the money to pay that person. I said, just do a, uh, uh, you know, just ask the question and you, right. they won't, they're not going to charge you a bazillion dollars no. for you just to ask the question. You get a free hour's worth of advice from most lawyers. Yes. So, and I guess in my case, I was in charge of the finances. So I knew where all the money was and what assets we had, but 
I also kept our finances separate when we got married. So mm. I never, ever combined. We did have a combined account because we owned a farm for a while. So we had a farm account. So I always encourage my lady clients, you know, young, the young ones who are in their 20s. Hey, as soon as you decide to get married, keep your own checking account. Keep your own money. Have your paycheck go into it. And then you divvy up the bills. Like he pays the rent and you pay all the utilities or something like that. Whatever your arrangement is, but mm -hmm. have your own money because mm -hmm. otherwise what can happen is, you know, I was in that same type of relationship where verbally abusive, um, my ex was an alcoholic and he, he, I didn't realize he one by one basically decided who all my friends were going to be too. So I kind of lost my identity throughout yeah. the whole marriage. And yeah. so that's the part that really was a eye-opening thing for me. And um, so I didn't lose my identity when it came to the finance part, but I lost my identity when it came to being a person. Right. So, and when did you, when, when were your eyes open while you were going through divorce or afterwards, years after? My eyes were opened right before we got divorced. So I instigated separation because I realized what he was doing to me because I would talk to friends and they would say, what are you talking about? Why, why are you letting him say those things to you? You're not like that. You used to be like this. You were this huge empowered woman who was in the military doing all these great things. And now you're not doing anything. And it's because when we moved from Nebraska to Arizona, I was a stay-at-home mom for four years and I lost right. my identity during right. that. Right, right. So I was still in the military doing part-time stuff for the military because I was in the National Guard, but I I just, you know, kind of lost who I was. And realizing through talking to mutual friends it's like okay I need to separate from this because he's really delving into my my psyche so I I did the separation and then unfortunately he filed on me two days after I got back from being deployed so you know there's just lots of stuff right lots of stuff <laughs> you know it, and isn't it interesting now that we can smile about it right oh yeah and, I was and, angry at the time oh boy was I angry but yeah yeah. No, I think it's all of it, bad, good, you know, is led me to be the person that I am today. So, you know, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. After several years of my divorce having been complete, and I never, when I was going through it, I never thought I would say this, but I, I was one day, I do a lot of spiritual work. And so one day I was journaling and I was like, oh, Oh my God, if I hadn't gone through all of that horribleness, if I hadn't gone through what happened and occurred in my 28 year marriage, I wouldn't be the person I am today. And my skill set would be completely different. Right. But who I am now and what I do is all comes off of those experiences. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that's what my book is, is informed from is my personal experience and and how I got through it. So yeah, it's fascinating. Fascinating. So Karen, how can people find you? And do you do work with people non-locally? I do. So okay. I have clients all over the United States. And you can get a hold of me at that phone number that's in, I always do the pointing incorrectly right there. <laughs> um, you can get, get me at the 
the Karenette Woman on Top Biz email. Um, Woman on Top Biz is my website. Um, if people are so inclined, uh, when you get to the website, it, there's a, a quiz that you can take, the money type quiz. Oh, that's cool. You can download that and you can figure out what type of money type you are. And if you're so inclined, you can set an appointment with me and learn more about you and uh, your particular money type because there's a primary and a secondary, just like I told you. I'm primarily a cheap chip and secondary is a delusional Dan. And then just kind of figure out how maybe you then can translate that into being better with your finances. And then if you're a business owner, then how you can help that uh, turn people into your, you know, figure you should know who your ideal client is, but then turn them into paying clients because Mm -hmm. you know how to, uh, you understand each one of those five money types and understand the objections that Mm -hmm. they might. And so if people want to get your book, can they do it through your, excuse me, your website or Um, Amazon? I'm redoing my website right now so they can go to Amazon. So if they just type in woman on top and then uh, Karen and my last name, K-O-E-N-I-G, they can find it. So. Great. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And it's, it's been very interesting and I appreciate uh, your story and I, it's going to make me cry. I also appreciate your service. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. But at not only to our country, but I know you probably carved a path for women going into the military to create an easier path for them. So thank you for that too. I appreciate it. Yeah. So for now, that's our empowering chat. And I'm going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanborrell.com. You can see all the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, a 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website and just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanborell.com. That's it for today. See you next time.